You're not an accident. You're a beautiful creation. And this is the Rhyme and Reason Podcast, Episode 93. Hey there, Tony here. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhyme and Reason podcast, where my goal is to share the keys to joy in life with you and to help you see there really is a rhyme and reason to your life. You know what? God says in black and white and red, you're important. Believe it. In today's reason segment, I'm going to talk about how there's no joy in the happiest place on earth. Oh no. And the hypocrisy of the atheist's 10 non-commandments. Can you believe it? And uh, how a person is a person even before they're born. Yep, even you. How fear is always an option. And the best time to focus on others. And, of course, how to keep the God of peace with you. That would be pretty important, don't you think? But, you know, it's called the Rhyme and Reason Podcast. So first, a little rhyme time. On TonyFunderberg.com, you're going to find... Lots of words of music I share on there. Lots of free things you can listen to and download. And um, I share them here in the podcast, too. And this week, the rhyme time is a song called Choose Life. And um, yes, it's a pro-life song. I mean, I'm pro-life. I'm in a business where having people around is the only way I can make a living. You know, I bet you are, too. So it's important that every human being has the best opportunity for life from the moment of conception on. We had that chance, after all, you know, shouldn't we pass it on? Well, anyway, here's the song, Choose Life. Well, you hid your heart in a so-called safe place And you locked your love in a big black box And you had no hope, but you built your brave face And you ran your rat race through the ticks and tucks Well, the bluebells bloomed in ideal intentions As you tilt the truth into lifelong lies And you dug in deep, making many mentions Of your pretty pensions, always alibis You can't run away from real truth is a knife A captivating voice might pigeonhole your choice Cut free And choose life When your daydreams die And you feel half-hearted And your love is lost In a soulless sky Try to train your thoughts When your brain's bombarded By the stuff you started Learn to learn the lie You can't run away from real truth And every word of truth is a knife A captivating voice might pigeonhole your choice Cut free And choose life Choose life
captivating voice might pigeonhole your choice. Cut free. Where you can run away from real truth. And every word of truth is a knife. A captivating voice might pigeonhole your choice. Cut free. No, you can't run away from real truth. And every word of truth is a knife. A captivating voice might pigeonhole your choice. Cut free and choose life. Do it today. Choose life. I think that's a pretty appropriate thing to choose when you consider the alternatives. And uh, let me get back into the reason segment here. We'll get right into it. If you've been alive a couple of decades or more, I'm sure you've heard the the description Disneyland has for itself. They call themselves the happiest place on earth. Um, Well, you may have noticed lately in some headlines that uh, it doesn't seem like there's any joy there for some people anyway. And uh, as I was uh, writing the article that uh, goes along with this, I, I uh, found that there were over 70 people infected with measles. Now, I had several uh, bouts with measles when I was a kid. Uh, that's way, way back in the other century. But uh, it seems like it hasn't been much of, a, a deal to, uh, uh, much of anything to deal with in recent years. But uh, they discovered cases of measles in places outside of California where Disneyland is. And uh, uh, like I said, uh, it kind of proves it's a small world after all. Couldn't resist. But it does show how we humans are more connected than we may, may even care to admit. Well, of course, I see that as an opportunity to love your neighbor as yourself, like the Bible says to us. But uh, maybe you think since your neighbor might have a disease, it's better to steer clear. Well, let's think about that for a minute. If you were the one with the disease, would you want your neighbor to steer clear? Or would you prefer that someone, you know, anyone, could care enough about his neighbor to nurture you back to health? That'd be a a better choice, I think. I know when I'm sick, it gives me uh, a lot of great joy and, and comfort to have someone bring me soup and juice and a blanket. My wife brings me smoothies and hot tea or coffee and even essential oils, so I can breathe easier and, and have a little relief from the pain. It's a, real breast, it's a real blessing to receive that kind of tender, loving care. Well, when something like the measles outbreak happens, um, that's a time people should rise to the occasion, I think. Don't you? I mean, each person using his or her talents or skills, they could bring comfort to the sick and hurting, rather than you know trying to figure out point fingers and who started all this. Some could even develop cures and preventions for the diseases, and others, they might simply be the loving touch a sick person needs. The point is, looking to blame or prosecute or persecute, well, those are just selfish acts. I realize sometimes something like that is called for, but in most cases, it would work out better to think from the do unto others as you would have them do unto you perspective. 
if you just keep looking for ways to nurture and nourish and love your neighbor, maybe we could even bring joy back to the happiest place on earth. What's what kind of talents or gifts or skills uh, would you be willing to share? Why don't you leave me a note somewhere and let me know that. Uh, I don't know. Also, there's a, another headline. I don't know if you've seen uh, where some atheists, a group of them, put together what they call their Ten Non-Commandments. And I read that and I went, huh? Non-Commandments? Sort of oxymoronic, don't you think? And they decided they need their own gathering day, they called it, to celebrate and be with other like-minded individuals. And that's using their term, other like-minded individuals. Sounding kind of familiar. One person said, it gets people together focused on something bigger than the individual. Wow, sounding more and more like church, Christian church. You know, ironically, something bigger than the individual is what Christians know as God. But anyway, let me continue. They also call this day uh, that they want to celebrate their Sunday assembly. Hmm, why? Why that day? Why Sunday? I mean, really, if it's if it's trying if you're trying not to be like Christians, why wouldn't you do it on Monday or Thursday or Saturday? Well, it's just hypocritical, and the hypocrisy of their movement is is really clearly seen in these ten non-commandments. I'll go through all my. Uh, I listed what I thought were. Um, Flaws. Uh, I guess you could put it that way. Or certainly, things that I take exception to. Their first command. Their excuse me. Their first non-commandment: be open-minded and be willing to alter your alter your beliefs with new evidence. Sorry, it's my first day with my new mouth, and I just haven't used it yet. So, and so they're saying you need to be open-minded and be willing to alter your beliefs with new evidence. Hmm. You know, there's mountains of evidence, old and new, that bear out the story of God. But their minds are certainly not open to that. Well, non-commandment two, strive to understand what is most likely to be true, not to believe what you wish to be true. So, I'll bet that they're betting their eternal existence that's true. But why does truth even play into the equation? Doesn't each one of them make their own truth? Okay, non-commandment three. The scientific method is the most reliable way of understanding the natural world. Okay, did you catch that? That's an absolute statement. They're saying the scientific method is the most reliable way of understanding the natural world. Once you say any method is the most reliable, you've just stated your religion. And the natural world includes thoughts and emotions. So how does science explain those? Just curious. Non-commandment number four, every person has the right to control of their, of their body. Every person has the right to control of their body. Okay, there's sort of a grammatical error there, but um, that's basically true when you think about it. But I'm sure this is a feeble attempt, a disguised attempt, at defending abortion. 
but it fails to even remotely consider that a baby has its own body, even while it's inside the mother. I'm sure that's just a minor technicality that they can gloss over, but I'd have to say that this non-commandment violates numbers 1, 2, and uh, 6, 7, and 10 yet to come, so stick with me. Non-commandment number 5, God is not necessary to be a good person or to live a full and meaningful life. Well, this is what I call irony in full bloom again. Without a sovereign, loving, and just God, who determines what is a, quote, good person, unquote? Good simply becomes an arbitrary concept and therefore gets increasingly corrupted. When everyone is doing whatever is right in his or her own mind, we quickly see moral anarchy. So this non-commandment violates number one. And you can see all of these and, and get a visual of it on my website at TonyFunderburk.com forward slash, let's see, forward slash, what did I forward slash it? Oh, the hypocrisy of the Ten Non-Commandments. <laughs> or just go on there and look for this and link this link and click on it. And uh, that way you'll get a visual and you can go back and forth and see what I'm talking about there. Let's see, where were we? Um, oh, yes. Commandment, excuse me, boy, habit. Non-commandment number six. Be mindful of the consequences of all your actions and recognize that you must take responsibility for them. Hmm, that you must take responsibility sounds like a commandment. Doesn't sound like a non-commandment, but anyway. If you are doing what's right in your own mind, what's right for you, phrases they like to use, what does it matter how others are affected? Maybe they just haven't reached your level of enlightenment yet, and maybe the consequences of your actions might further open their eyes to um, what is, I don't know, most likely to be true? Hmm. Okay, non-commandment number seven. Treat others as you would want them to treat you and can reasonably expect them to want to be treated. And think about their perspective. Hmm. That doesn't even roll off the tongue, does it? Well, unless new evidence shows this isn't necessary or it proves to be something you only wish to be true. Oh, uh, let me just move on. Okay, non-commandment number eight. We have the responsibility to consider others, including future generations. Well, the, the hypocrisy of this non-commandment is clearly seen in number four. After all, future generations start inside the bodies of current generations. Or is it that we only need to consider others, uh, then it's okay to stop their hearts? Yeah, I'm just saying. Non-commandment number nine. There is no one right way to live. That sounds pretty absolute again, but it depends on how long you wish to live. Eternal life has a requirement of only one way. Of course, that information isn't new to the atheists. That's probably why they came up with these non-commandments. They've been ignoring it for millennia. Many, many thousands of years. Six to be exact. Anyway, I, I suppose it doesn't matter that the design and creation pointing to a designer is most likely to be true. And non-commandment number 10, leave the world a better place than you found it. Can I have sounds of 
never mind. Okay, again with the abstract concepts. Who gets to determine what's a better place? And if you don't leave it better, so what? Who cares? What does it matter when everyone is fatalistically heading toward blackness? Well, now here's the fullness of this whole hypocrisy. These are called non-commandments. So why even write them down? I mean, you don't have to pay any attention to them at all if you don't want to, because, well, they're non-commandments. You get that? Talk about a muddy worldview. And I suspect there is no real joy in Mudville tonight. Mighty Casey has struck out. Well, I shared... Um, sorry for my clicking noises there. I shared a, um, a video that I thought was pretty cool. A woman and her husband uh, decided to make a video. It only lasted 90 seconds. And it was a time-lapse video of every day of her pregnancy. And it was real cool. Um, the reason I'm saying shared and was... Uh, you can look at my website and click on that link and you'll see that the video is no longer available. Uh, I'm not sure what happened. It said that they're deleted, the account isn't there or something. I, I forgot it was, but it was such a cool video because she came out in front of uh, the same backdrop uh, each day. They took a different picture each day in the same outfit and um, and then she held up a a red balloon and it looked like she was inhaling the red balloon and as she inhaled that her belly got bigger so it was it was pretty cool it was very creative but uh, a key takeaway that I got is you know she's wearing the same outfit like I said and she's wearing her hair pretty much the same way and the background is the same but most importantly the person developing inside her is the same person from the first frame to the last the moment this young woman found out she was pregnant, she knew she'd be giving birth to a human baby. She knew it. And that little person was so real to her from the very beginning that she could start the video nine months before the baby was even ready to appear in it. And at the end of the video, you, she holds this um, other balloon, turns away from the camera, and makes a full circle. And when she comes around, you see a baby in her arms. And it was so cool. She turned pregnant and turned back around, having got, uh, already given birth to her baby. And, and all the time, she knew that all she had to do was feed and water and nurture her baby. And in nine months, bingo, they had a baby. They knew this ahead of time. So they went ahead and started and filmed the process. And if you're able to listen to this podcast or read these articles on my website, that means someone loved you enough, too, to give you that same gift. They knew all you needed was food, water, and care. And in nine months or somewhere close to that, they knew you'd be ready to make your entrance, too. What do you think? Do you believe every human being deserves an opportunity to live? I know I sure do. And did you know that fear is always an option? It's always an option. Of course it is. If it wasn't an option, then to be fearless would be sort of a moot point, don't you think? After all, if you didn't have the option to fear, no one would fear. Then what would you have? A world full of heroes? No, because there wouldn't be any other kind of people. Everyone would simply be fearless. 
Okay, I think I've beat that dead horse now. So I'd like to share a story with you. It's a story about someone having fear as an option, but choosing not to give in to it. So sit back and imagine that you're a, a, nice, looking, uh, a nice looking young woman, and you've just gotten off work at your late night job. You go outside to your car and you find a blizzard waiting for you. And, and you're already tired. You've been working nine hours. You've been on your feet. You've been having to deal with belligerent customers. And, and now you've got a 40-mile drive to look forward to in a blinding blizzard. But that's not all. You find out that canyon road where you normally go they had an accident. And the accident had to close off that route. You can't get down that way. So you're left with two other options. One takes you over a route higher in the mountains where you know it's going to be slick and treacherous. And the other route is mostly downhill, but it's through another canyon, and you've never driven home that way. Which route would you take? Well, this woman chose the downhill winding canyon road, and she was terrified of the circumstances, but she knew she had to get home to her family. So... She began to drive down the dark, unlit, snowy, slick road, and her hands were practically leaving imprints in the steering wheel. And she tossed up a quick, sort of desperate prayer, God, please don't let me slide off into the ditch or the creek. Please help me to make it home. And as it turned out, the visibility was barely ten feet in front of the headlights. And the further she went, the more they were beginning to dim from layers of the freezing snow. If you've ever driven in conditions like that, you know what I'm talking about. Every so often, the tires would even slide a little bit, and the young, young woman's whole body would jerk as she gasped and panicked a little, but she kept gently easing the car forward, and she was careful to you know, look for those white and yellow lines in the road, and, and it seemed like they only appeared here and there, so... This drive, which would normally take about half an hour, ended up taking two hours. And by the time the exhausted young woman reached the end of the canyon and turned onto the highway, she could hardly breathe. But she'd made it through the worst. At least that's what she thought. And to her dismay, the well-lit highway that she turned onto was covered in about four or five inches of snow, and it was dangerously slick. So now she had to deal with multiple other crazies who didn't seem to be slowing down for the conditions at all and she still had 15 miles to go well as she slogged along at only about 20 miles an hour other cars would whiz by and, and they'd flop up that magnesium chloride filled slush all over her windshield have you ever had that happen to you suddenly you can't see anything and boy you're frantic to get those windshield wipers going but now she was determined and undaunted she vowed i'm gonna make it home no matter what she did. But her accomplishment wasn't achieved as a result of the absence of fear. It came about as a result of her not giving in to the fear. So yes, fear is an option. And because it is, we can be heroes. But even more important than that, it should highlight your need for a living, loving Savior who wants you to have everlasting life. See, this, this life that you're in right now, it's not going to last forever. But it's not all you'll have if you trust Jesus, and I sure hope you will. And you may have a blizzard going on in your life right now. Maybe it's not snow, but it's a blizzard nonetheless. 
and you may be tempted to give up and give in to fear. I urge you to resist that temptation and instead hold on. Hold on to the promise that God gave you. He gave you a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. That's found in the Bible. It's a promise. That won't magically make the blizzard, whatever it is, go away, but it will give you the courage and strength to keep driving toward home. The keys are in your hand. It's up to you. You ready to drive toward home? Are you spending any time worrying about what might happen tomorrow or next week or next month or next year? You realize you're living in a future that may not even exist? I'm not saying the future doesn't exist. I'm saying a future you're seeing in your worried mind's eye may not exist. And yesterday, well, it's gone forever. A phrase that I coined, and I believe I'm the one, uh, I haven't seen it somewhere else, but there's nothing original under the sun, so who knows. But uh, I believe I came up with this. Today is tomorrow's yesterday and yesterday's tomorrow. If you look on my website and get a visual of that, I think it'll hit home more. Um, and translated, that just simply means now is good. Future time depends on now. Think about it. Is there anything, anything at all in the world, in the whole universe, that you can do about yesterday? And is there anything in the whole world you can do living in the future? Hmm. So what does that leave? Yeah, that's right. Today. Are you alive? Are you breathing? Is your brain working? Then you can still do something about today. And that'll help. It'll help take your future on a brighter path. But you have to want to, do you? Or does it seem too hard to even get up off the couch, chair, or bed and and even put one foot in front of the other. Well, if life seems too difficult for you right now, I'd encourage you to take a close look at where your focus is. It might be too much on you and your problems. Jesus said, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And if you've never heard of a guy known as the Apostle Paul, well, I urge you to, uh, to look for him in the Bible. You can find him in, uh, let's see, starting about halfway through a book called Acts and going through another book called Philemon. That's P-H-I-L-E-M-O-N, Philemon. Well, he made it crystal clear when he said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, keep looking up where the prize is, not here in your problems. Um, let's see, where was I? Yes. Um, if you're going to look outward, even right there in the middle of your problems, and you can see who you could reach out to and help, with that simple gesture, you'll be fulfilling one of the two commandments Jesus listed. I know you've heard of the Ten Commandments, and I talked a little while ago about the Ten Non-Commandments. Jesus sort of uh, compressed all the commandments into two. He said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So can you do that? W when do you think you should start? How about now? Now is good. 
And let's see, how, how do you keep the God of peace with you? You know, you have appointments, you're busy, calls to make people to see, mouths to feed, broken things to fix, and bad things happening all around the world. It's almost more than a mere human can even bear, right? So what would it mean to you to know there are eight things you can focus on to keep the God of peace with you? Well, I'll share those with you today. And um, your joy in your life, they depend on where your focus is, just like I just mentioned. If you're looking down or only at yourself, I believe you're heading for a crash. You were designed, yes, designed by the living, loving God to live and love. That makes sense, right? So it only stands to reason that maybe he knows what's keep, you know, he knows what what keeps you functioning at optimum levels. Well, here are those eight things you can focus on so that you can keep the God of peace with you at all times. Number one, true things. No matter how many people might prefer to think otherwise, there truly are some things that are just plain true. If you don't agree philosophically um, or religiously, you don't want to go into um, biblical things or Christian things, all right, let's just take this. Let's say the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. Can you agree that that's true? Our atmosphere is full of oxygen, which our lungs so vitally need. Can you agree that's true? It's true. Water is essential to life. Can you deny that? And thoughts are without form and substance, but they do exist just like we exist. That's true. Okay, number two. So we got true things. Now number two, noble things. Picture an old gentleman whose wife passed away. But instead of locking himself inside an empty house, he goes to others. And he finds people who have similar circumstances and he spends time listening to their problems. That's pretty, pretty darn noble. So we got true things and noble things. Number three, fair things. Remember times when the good guys win. Look for opportunities to help the good guys win. And don't forget that justice is inevitable, even if it comes much later than you'd like. It'll happen. So let's see, we got true things, noble things, fair things. Number four, pure things. Imagine a little newborn baby just home from the hospital, sleeping soundly in that brand new crib. Or the couple who saved themselves for marriage, standing at the altar. Or just plain old pure crisp air blowing through cloudless and deep blue skies. Pure things. So we have true things, noble things, fair things, pure things. Okay, number five. Lovely things. That should be easy, right? A summer bouquet of fresh-cut flowers in a cobalt blue vase. Something I love. The, see, the sunlight sparkling in the verdant green of your lover's eyes. Or how about an old couple who still hold hands as they stroll through the neighborhood? That's, those, those are just lovely things, aren't they? Think about that. Maybe you, maybe you could see them in your mind's eye as I said them. So now we have what? True things, noble things, fair things, pure things, and lovely things. Okay, number six, good news. 
Like your son is coming home from his tour of duty overseas, or your best friend's wife has overcome a battle with a disease. Hey, that rhymes. I didn't realize it. And that organization you support just received a donation that will propel them on to victory. Those are just good news. It's good to hear. It's always good to hear good news. So we've got true things, noble things, fair things, pure things, lovely things, and good news. Number seven, virtue. Concentrate on being the husband, wife, mother, father, son, or daughter your loved ones need. Own up to shortcomings. Love your neighbor as yourself and do unto others as you'd prefer to have done to you. Okay, so now we get true things, noble things, fair things, pure things, lovely things, good news, virtue. Number eight, praiseworthy things. So, you know, like don't forget to compliment the little kid who painted a picture or picked some flowers just to show his love. Or you could give a bear hug to the young singer who just gave her all but placed last in her vocal competition. Imagine how much, a hu- uh, how much a hug would mean to her at that time. Or see if you can visualize and remember a politician who actually kept his or her campaign promises. You know, the ones where lives are at stake, which is pretty much all of them. Okay, so there you have it. Eight things. True things, noble things, fair things, pure things lovely things, good news, virtue, and praiseworthy things. Those are things that you can focus on, and the God of peace will be with you. He will. That's a promise that you have, and it's found in the Bible, right there in black and white and red. So what do you say? Wouldn't you prefer to travel through this life with Him as your companion? Okay, uh, let's see. Yep, that's about it for this episode of the Rhyme and Reason podcast. And if you're enjoying the show, would you would you take a minute to share it with anyone else you you know who would too? Um, this podcast uh, this podcast is it's visible to um, more listeners on iTunes if you leave me a review there, um, and you can leave a review of some sort on or share on my website. Of course. I hope you'll leave me a five-star review, but you can feel free to leave whatever you think it deserves. And uh, I've made it really easy to click or tap buttons um, on my website, TonyFunderburk.com. You can share to Facebook, Twitter, and others. And um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Also, I'd love you to subscribe to my Rhyme and Reason Club. And when you do, you'll you'll always be one of the first to receive... Um, uh, my latest articles and songs and podcasts and videos, and there's there's three free songs right away the minute you do. Just look for the tune in button on TonyFunderberg.com, and and um, yeah, it's in several places there, and I think it's in every one of my articles there. So uh, until next time, this is Tony reminding you that God gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So grab hold of that promise, live with joy, and change lives. See you next time. God bless.